1: Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Celtics Live Podcast. I'm Cameron Teptify, your host for today, joined as always by Alex Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. Alex and Justin, how are we? I'm doing
2: all right. Um, I actually managed to dig myself out of the grading hole that's been running for three weeks on this podcast now, and now I only have one more thing to grade, so that's, that's huge.
0: The ever uh, continuing construction war in my neighborhood seems to be taking a turn for the better, which is putting me in a pretty
1: good mood, unlike the recent record of the Celtics. Uh How's that for a segue? (laughs) Pretty good. Uh, With the regular season finally coming to a close and the finish line coming into view, we're going to give an in-depth preview on how this year might conclude for the Boston Celtics. And in the lab portion of the programming, we're going to give a grand preview of every game left on the schedule, all 10 of them. And per usual, we'll begin the pod by going around the horn to discuss the week that was for Boston. But first, we want to make mention of the passing of Boston's Terrence Clark. Uh, This was a young man who last week lost his life in a car accident in Los Angeles. He was a young man who exemplified basketball in the hub, and we just want to send our love and our thoughts to his friends and family. That was... A sad day in basketball, a sad day in Boston, to say the least. So to the Clark family, we're thinking of you. Uh, That perhaps did impact some of the games that we saw last week. The Celtics specifically, rather, the Jays knew this young man very well. And you could see a little bit of listlessness from Boston over the past few games. Uh, So we'll recap them, but certainly there are some things that are bigger than basketball and last week reminded us of that. So last week, the Celtics played Chicago, they lost, they played Phoenix, they won, they played Brooklyn, they lost, and they played Charlotte and they lost. Apropos of what I just said at the top, any thoughts on what we've seen from the Celtics in the past week?
2: Um, I think one thing that jumps out to me just is that the Celtics have really been missing Robert Williams. Um, he came, you know, when he was playing uh and kind of just getting his sea legs under him as a starter, even though, you know, he would have times where he would mess up. You know, he's a young player, still kind of finding his way. He, he did a lot of really important things for this team. He provided really valuable shot blocking, passing. Uh, I was, you know, particularly ecstatic when he finally entered the starting lineup. And so, you know, Tristan Thompson, I think, has played admirably as the starting center, but um, the problem is uh, that without Rob, um, that's just another important depth piece out of the lineup. And that forces Brad Stevens, once again, to kind of dig into the deep bench and see what he can get. And, you know, I'm, guys, I'm just so tired of watching Semio on this basketball team. <laughs> it seems like he's completely forgotten how to play defense on any meaningful level. Uh, and one thing that really st- kind of stood out to me in these games is that the Celtics in general have been awful at closing out on threes in particular. They've been yeah. really, really bad at giving up huge numbers from opponent three-point percentage standpoint. Part of that is obviously variance. You know, some of these teams have really good shooters. Charlotte has a lot of firepower. But it, it's it's becoming a thing where... It's happening so consistently that it strikes me as more than just variance. And if you look at what's happening on the court, I think defensively the Celtics are really struggling to close out on shooters. So that's the big takeaway I have. I think offensively they're looking all right, actually. I just think defensively they've been really poor.
1: Yeah, the three-point stuff, almost by design last year, the Celtics kind of dared teams to shoot threes or to shoot certain threes. Um, I think the Raptors and a few other teams are kind of adopting this model where it wasn't do everything to stop the three-pointers so much as kind of corral certain three-point shots. And so Alex, to your point, there's a little bit of variance there. Maybe the the Celtics got lucky that their opponents weren't connecting on threes last year or other other stretches. And if the closeouts are just a little bit too slow, that falls apart. I think the Knicks are in the same camp that they had just incredible three-point defense at the beginning of the season, but... it perhaps turned out to be luck. So, Dr. Quinn, thoughts on that, thoughts on the past few games? I think there's a
0: connection that we are kind of dancing around here, and it really came to a f- the fore in the Charlotte game. Uh, without Rob, we had one less competent passing player. We basically got lapped in terms of assists in the Charlotte game. I think we had 18 assists there, 13 9 was like a few short of a franchise record for Charlotte. And I've been like playing with the idea of why the defense seems to be particularly bad in these assist games because you shouldn't defend bad when you're not moving the ball because those two actions are not particularly connected, but maybe there's just a lack of engagement. Um, I think John Corrales recently had a piece on Boston sports journal where he talks about how the Jays are not so great in isolation, but they seem to stay. Oh, there's the construction I, I spoke too soon. The Jays are not so good in isolation. And the the end result of it ends up being that they pound the ball a lot and other players don't get involved on one end of the court. So maybe what's going on here, and, you know, I can't get in their heads, obviously, but maybe what's going on is just people aren't feeling as engaged when they aren't moving on one end of the court. So on the other end of the court, they also don't move.
1: yeah. Uh, it was interesting, after I think the Charlotte game, Brad Stevens kind of had an off-the-cuff remark about the the Hornets passing and the Celtics being surprised that they were seeing a team make the extra pass. And it, it felt a little, like he was telling on himself, a little bit too much. Just to close the loop on both of those things, since the All-Star break, the Celtics are 26th in opponent three-point percentage. And 18th in assists per game. So, what the ceiling is here, I don't know, but certainly it it doesn't look good. And again, let's just remember that the Jays and the whole team, they're human. So, the totality of COVID, the totality of injuries, the totality of the passing of Mr. Clark, maybe you're going to cough up a game to Charlotte and that happens. Moving forward, though, perhaps we'll see a healthier Celtic squad. Brad Stevens said just uh, a few moments ago, before we went on, that Rob will may Rob Williams may in fact play, as, soon as tomorrow. That'll be Wednesday, and Fournier came back. Kemba and Tatum, it seems, are bumped and bruised a little bit. Uh, Kemba, they said, will be reevaluated on Thursday of this week. Which,
2: yeah, he he did something to his hip in the Charlotte game, and yeah. he stayed in, but um, he went back to the locker room. He looked all right, but. It definitely, you know, him heading back into a locker room in the middle of a game like that definitely didn't look great. And i uh, be interested to see if that becomes kind of yet another uh, kind of recurring problem for Kemba Walker. We'll see.
1: Yeah, I will talk about this in a second. The next 10 games are going to be probably pretty important for the Celtics. But I also think just put the the starters on ice and just get him to the playoffs. But as we'll talk about in just a moment, easier said than done. So best of luck to the Celtics and, you know, their health situation, their bumps, their bruises. As we are wont to do uh, when we go around the dial and kind of talk about the week that was, we have some COVID news to discuss. Danny Ainge revealed that most of the team is now vaccinated. Uh, Perhaps a few staff members and players appear to be holdouts, which we will reserve comment, I think, at this time. Uh, The garden is going to go to 25% capacity. Boston and the CDC for that matter has just dropped a bunch of new ordinances and guidelines for what sports venues can do, what restaurants can do, what people can do outside with their masks and on and on. And so uh, that does affect the Celtics in some capacity. So if you're choosing to go to a Boston Celtics home game, make good choices, but you might be there with 25% capacity, which is new and exciting or horrifying, depending on how you feel about that. Also in the news that was for the week, we have some shoe deals for the Celtics rookies. New Balance locked up Aaron Neesmith, which I felt was pretty surprising. Neither of you did. Why, Dr. Quinn or Alex, why do you think that New Balance is taking a chance here?
0: Well, as we were talking about um, off the air, there is a tendency for shoe companies to lock up these players, before they become super famous. And that way, you know, you get a relative bargain in comparison. Should they do something? Uh, and I, you know, as rough as Aaron Smith's uh, first season has been so far, um, the fundamentals of a good player are there. He just needs to catch up to game speed. He's, he's got the, he's got the athleticism. He, he's got the game knowledge. It's just putting it all together at a speed that is going to work and I think that's all they really want to see out of somebody to think that they're at least worth gambling on.
1: Cool. And I'll be on the team for a little bit. And this is a Boston company. Alex, tell me either about uh new balance and Aaron or tell me about fast PP and his new Nike deal.
2: Yeah. Um, so that, that one's interesting to me. I I'm pretty sure that uh, Peyton Pritchard and Nike, uh, maybe I miss, I miss, represented this, but it seemed like there was an Oregon connection there as well. uh, So it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that does make sense. I think, um, you know, as Justin said, as Dr. Quinn said, um, there are some uh, there, this happens with some frequency where shoe companies will kind of take gambles on players that might develop into something that they're not right now. And one thing that, uh, you know, you got to remember about a company like Nike, you know, the valuation of Nike is unbelievably high. You know, it's a multi-billion dollar corporation. So they can afford to throw a contract uh, kind of willy-nilly at Peyton Pritchard or New Balance can do the same with Aaron B. Smith and kind of see what happens. Most of these deals tend to be pretty low stakes for the company involved. Uh, and usually they're they're not, it's not like, you know, Jason Tatum getting a signature shoe, shoe deal or anything like that. Uh, but Or a Subway you know, sandwich for that or, matter. Or a Subway sandwich. So I think uh, it's it's somewhat interesting. You know, maybe if, if Pritchard and E. Smith develop into something a little more, uh, we can find a pair at a local Foot Locker near you. Foot Locker, <laughs> please sponsor us. Um, but, you know, yeah, that's really all I got about
1: that. more of a champs guy myself. <laughs> And
0: athletes' foot? I don't know how that became the name of a fucking chain of footwear.
1: Is there a chain of (coughs) shoes called Athletes' Foot? Oh, now it's
0: TAF, but it used to be called the Athletes' Foot. Yes. I'm a big Modell's guy. Yeah, Uh, shout out to Modell's. They
2: really sold me on their Drew Holiday commercials a couple years back. So. (laughs) Uh,
1: I don't know if those (coughs) still exist, but or marathon sports to keep it local. Hmm. Speaking of which, uh, Tatum did an AMA on Reddit for all of you nerds out there. I'm just kidding. Uh, But he did do that. And if you want to hear about that, you can go to Celtics Wire where our friend, Justin Quinn wrote about this. Uh, Dr. Quinn, any highlights or should the people just go read it?
0: Let's go read it. Uh, there's, there's a pretty good mix of some pretty serious responses, a couple of joking things, and it's just this one really weird response to his haircut that I, I don't
1: understand what the hell he means. That's all I'm gonna to say. Today. Nice teaser, I also don't know what you're talking about. Uh, speaking of, I don't know what he means. This isn't in our rundown, but it comes to mind. The Celtics dropped a promotional video where they asked the players the foods that they will not eat, and I was very surprised that Tatum said he would not eat mac and cheese But then I was very, very surprised that Rob Williams does not eat lettuce.
2: Out on lettuce entirely. It's just like no arugula, no iceberg lettuce, nothing. He just eats cabbage. cabbage?
1: Uh, cabbage You would have to ask Rob Williams. I mean, it's a different plant, but well, anyways, (laughs) that's a rabbit hole that I'm very willing to go down, but maybe for the off season. We have a lot cooked up, no pun intended, for the off season. (laughs)
0: That That was terrible. I love it. Thank you.
1: Please don't edit that out. Uh, Okay, Uh, lastly, in the week that was for the Celtics, just going around the dial, our friend Paul Pierce, who uh, recently parted ways with ESPN after a specific Instagram Live that he posted, had teased that something big was in the works, and we might have learned what that big thing was. He told us, and I quote, we're over in the lab, baby. And no, he wasn't talking about the Celtics lab, he was talking about what appeared to be a massive... Uh, growery for marijuana so best of luck to paul pierce the truth anytime you want to come on the podcast we're always over in the lab here at celtics lab we're
0: over here in the lab baby. Our soul,
1: baby in the lab in the lab which if you made it this far in the podcast and you haven't switched over to something else please give us five stars please rate and review please tell your friends please go online and buy our t-shirts and do all that stuff that you do with your favorite podcasts. It really, truly does make a big difference, specifically you, Paul Pierce. Now, I believe we are ready to hop into the lab a portion of the programming and know that it's, it's not the Paul Pierce kind of lab. It's the, it's the NBA regular season kind of lab. What we're going to do is we're going to look at the rest of the regular season for the Boston Celtics who have been unable to shake themselves free from the Eastern Conference Middle Class, the one that we talked about just a few episodes ago. And for that reason, the Celtics are in a dogfight, and where they're going to land in the standings this time in the middle of May is very unclear. They're playing tonight against the Thunder Tuesday night, and from there, there will be 10 games left on the schedule for Boston to land anywhere between four in the standings and host a playoff series or find themselves in the play in tournament, which would make things very dicey. It looks as if Atlanta, New York, Miami, and Charlotte are firmly in the mix, separated by just two games in the last column at the time of this recording. And I believe Indiana is just one game outside of that. So things are very tight. What we're going to do is we're going to preview all 10 games left on the Boston Celtics schedule. We've all carved out a few to uh, shine specific light on. We'll decide if the Celtics are indeed going to win that game or not, and from there, we'll be able to tell you very accurately what the Celtics' regular season record will be in just a few weeks. Alex? And
2: yeah, just to to throw out before we get started on that, that will not be covering tonight's game against the Oklahoma City Thunder, who have lost now 12 games in a row by double digits. Um, I, fellas, I'm comfortable putting that one in the win column despite the absence of Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum. If the Celtics do not win the game tonight against the Oklahoma City Thunder, then we might have to reevaluate some of our predictions after this pod.
1: <laughs> I would say being without Rob Williams, Kemba, and Tatum and going up against Poku is something of a problem, but. The tank seems to be very clearly on an OKC. Okay, I saw someone call it the, the process in the prairie, which I think is cute. So uh, we'll see what happens, or rather we won't. You will, humble listeners. Let's jump in. I have the first bite at the apple, so I'm going to be talking about a game the Celtics are going to be playing tomorrow, April 28th, against Charlotte, uh, the second name of a back-to-back. Uh, it remains unclear if Rob Williams, Kemba Walker, or Tatum will play. I suspect. Kemba Walker won't. And for the Hornets, Hayward is out. Uh, Monk and Ball are questionable. I would love to see LaMelo come back, maybe not against the Celtics. I'm very curious to see if he can rekindle uh, rekindle some of that fire that he had going and and spark some of that magic because he's a very fun basketball player and not when they are in direct competition uh, of the Celtics, but that's a fun team to root for. They are winners of two straight for their last 10. They're sitting 30 and 30 right now. And the Celtics are one and one against the Hornets this season. The first game, they blew the barn doors off the Hornets. The second game was Sunday, which was a bit of a stinker. So with all of that said, let's let's start this off on, on a high note. The Celtics win that game. So that's one win in the win column for the Celtics to close out this regular season. Their next game will be on April 30th against the San Antonio Spurs. Dr. Quinn.
0: We didn't do so good the last time we played the Spurs, uh, but we are looking at a potential loss of Derek White. Uh, he sprained his ankle. We never want to root for an injury, but at least the Celtics won't have as deep of a team to be punished by as they were last time when they played the Spurs. They won uh, three in a row now, in to the last ten. They are currently ninth in the West. At 31-29, um, I'm going to say the Celtics win this one.
1: Another win in the win column. Sorry, Spurs. Yeah, as exciting as the Eastern Conference uh, matchup appear to be and the, the playoff race appears to be, the West is just a slog. I have no idea what's going on there. And I'm sure neither none of the teams do either. Actually, let me put people on the spot. Anyone have a dark horse in the West that they're keeping their eyes on?
2: It's, is it weird to say that the number one seed might be a dark horse? I feel like people have been kind of sleeping on the Utah Jazz all year. Now, I realize they lost uh, without Donovan Mitchell, you know, against Minnesota the other night, and he's injured a little bit. But Utah is just a really fundamentally sound basketball team. Uh, I, don't, I think it would be very hard for them to win a series against the Lakers if they're fully healthy, for example. But... I I think that people are kind of not giving Utah enough credit as a genuine threat to come out of the West if they're completely healthy.
1: Uh, Dr. Quinn?
0: I would like to be interesting, but he totally just stole my thunder. Um, (laughs) No uh, pun intended. Oh, geez. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, The the Suns have been pretty interesting, but I just don't really feel like they have what it takes to win. Um, To be honest, the only other real dark horse candidate is the Lakers being healthy enough to not be a dark horse candidate.
1: Yeah, uh, I am in agreement there. I think I'm intrigued by the Clippers very much, but I am not a betting person, nor would I be a betting person uh, with playoff P in my corner. And I can find fault with the other teams. Uh, Really and truly, I'm not buying this LeBron injury. I think that this is his vacation to Miami 2.0, and I think the Lakers are going to steamroll their way, at least to the Western Conference Finals. (laughs) Although entirely possible. <laughs> That's what I'm expecting to happen, to be honest. <laughs> I do think that the plan uh, right now, uh, as of today, would be Portland, Memphis, San Antonio, and Golden State, that the Pelicans or the Mavs could end up there. That's going to be just good fun, good NBA fun. So, anyway, sorry for that diversion. The game against the Spurs is the penultimate game the Celtics will play against a West Coast team. They'll play their final tilt against a West Coast team when they host Portland on May the 2nd. Alex, tell us about that game.
2: So um, the Portland Trailblazers are in an interesting spot. As you mentioned, they are currently in play in contention right now. Uh, It seems like the top of the West is kind of barely starting to separate themselves a little bit, just a little bit after being tight all year. Um, for Portland, Zach Collins obviously is out for the rest of the season. That's been kind of uh, a thing that's been happening for a little bit. Um, they've lost five in a row. They've won only two of their last 10. And while Damian Lillard is putting up another very high quality season, uh, kind of on the fringes of the MVP conversation, uh, a lot of the issues that have plagued Portland throughout his run, um, injured roster, inconsistent defensively. Uh, A lot of those issues are kind of starting to manifest now, kind of late in the season. Um, They are seventh in the Western Conference right now at 32 and 28, and uh, they appear headed for the play-in tournament where they will likely be one of the higher seeds in that situation. Um, You know, I think that the Celtics typically play Portland pretty well. Uh, they have they have they won their last game against them, and over the course of kind of recent history, dating back a couple of years, the Celtics have typically managed to contain Damian Lillard uh, at least somewhat. That being said, I do think that the Blazers are in desperation mode here. I think that this team really needs to get right heading into the playoffs if they want to have any chance of doing anything. Meaningful. And I think that Damian Lillard knows that and is going to come out absolutely scorching. So I am actually going to mark this down in the loss column for the Celtics. I think it's a close game, but I think that the Blazers are just a little bit too motivated.
1: All right. Celtics, sorry, you lose that one. That's just how the game is played. Uh, after that, the Celtics on Cinco de Mustache will be down in Orlando taking on the pitiful, horrible, no good, very bad Magic. They are losers of six straight. Uh, They have won just one game out of their last 10. And I just want to tell you their starting lineup against the Lakers the other day. Uh, Excuse me. It's Chuma Okiki. Is that how you say his name? Okay. So he started uh, alongside Wendell Carter Jr., Cole Anthony, Gary Harris, and Dwayne Bacon, which, yikes. Uh, I don't know if you can smell how bad that smells on a podcast, but that smells like that smells like duty. So the Celtics should be pretty in charge of that game. Boston loves to play down to opponents. So I am anticipating tuning into that game and the Celtics being down 10 points in the second quarter. But in terms of talent, if the Celtics are anything close to healthy, there's just there's no excusable way to lose that game. Boston is 2-0 and against the Magic this season. And I think this game technically is one that had been postponed because of, you know, the COVID. All of that said, Orlando just signed Mo Wagner, so this could be a big revenge game. And despite all of that, I think the Celtics are going to win it. So uh, that's that's another win for the home crowd. From there, Boston will go to Chicago on the 7th of May to play the Bulls. Dr. Quinn. Oh, no, Alex. Yep. Alex, you have this one.
2: Yep. Um, so, let's see, the Chicago Bulls, I actually watched the end of last night's Bulls game uh, where they took on the Miami Heat, um, and the Bulls looked pretty decent, actually. Uh, Daniel Tice had an excellent game, a uh, new acquisition that is already becoming kind of a fan favorite for the Chicago Bulls. It's funny, Daniel Tice seems to become a fan favorite pretty much I was just everywhere saying, Can you blame goes. him? Yeah. Um, so uh, the Bulls are in an interesting spot here. Zach Levine, their best player and their only all-star that they had at the time of the all-star game this year, uh, is in health and safety protocols right now. Uh, There's a reasonable chance that he will be back. You never know with health and safety protocols, but uh, there's a reasonable chance that he'll be back Uh, if he is experiencing any post-coronavirus symptoms that might impact his play somewhat, He has been playing very well this year, uh, easily a career year for him. Offensively, likely one of the best players in the Eastern Conference. Defensively, still not much going on there, but uh, you have to guard him. Uh, He is liable to drop 50 on you if he gets hot. So that'll be interesting to watch. Um, They won four of their last 10. So even though Daniel Tice has been a fan favorite since the trade deadline, the Chicago Bulls have been struggling. Part of that is because of Levine's absence. Part of that is also just trying to plug new players into the roster, uh, which is not always the easiest process. And part of that is that the Bulls are just kind of not very good. Um, They are 11th in the Eastern Conference. They are 26-35. and They appear to be firmly... In the play-in tournament range, although because they have been slumping, they are now jostling back and forth with the Raptors for that last spot. Um, I do think that the Bulls will be very motivated to try and win this game and get into the play-in tournament. I think that Levine and uh, Vucevic in particular are not going to be thrilled by the possibility of missing outright on the play-in tournament. And frankly, I think it's kind of a disaster for the Bulls organization if they don't make the playoffs, uh, having traded all that they did for Nikola Vucevic. Um, I do realize that their roster has got has plugged some holes. Daniel Tice looks like he's fitting pretty well. Um, Kobe White is playing better. Lowry Markkinen seems to be sort of kind of working as a small forward, even though he probably should be a power forward. That being said, I just I just don't think that the Chicago team is very good. I know that the Celtics lost their game against the Bulls the last time that they played. But uh, I am not particularly optimistic with regard to the Bulls repeating that performance. So I'm going to mark this down as a win for the Green.
1: Wow. Celtics are doing pretty well. I don't know if you saw this after the Celtics did lose to Chicago the other day. Jason Tatum posted on, I think, his Instagram story. He got a signed Javante Green Bulls jersey, which... Javante Green in Bulls Black looks so good. That is just a match made in heaven. I know Javante
2: Green is just a good-looking man, period. We just
1: have to throw that out there. Yeah, maybe I should wear Bulls Black. Maybe that's what's been holding me back. Anyways, uh, thank you, Alex. So from there, the Celtics will come back home to Boston, and on the 9th, they'll host Miami, which will be the first game of kind of a, a two-game series. They'll play Miami at home on the 9th and the 11th. Dr. Quinn, talk us through this little baseball series.
0: So this series is happening as a result of, again, postponements. I'm going to go out on a limb. Well, let me just start with setting the table first. Oladipo is going to be out. Victor Oladipo is going to be out, indefinitely. we probably aren't going to see him again, but maybe we will. There's, there's always a chance. They Dr. Fun- Quinn, could
1: the Celtics sign him?
0: Uh, somebody on bleacher report um wrote an article who basically posited that they were going to sign him as a free agent this coming off season read the article on celtics wire it's i was gentle as I could be but there's basically no realistic way for him to end up on our roster because um, you know I'm, I'm part of the, the front office but anyways okay. um, so yeah Old Depot not going to be playing most likely they won five of the last ten games they look like they're starting to get things kind of together uh, they've had kind of a rough season but they, they, they've they had kind of like the same season as the Celtics just like on time delay basically they're, they're kind of maybe about to go on a run or maybe not who knows but they're definitely playing better than they started the season. Uh, they had a lot of COVID issues as well. Now, the first game on the ninth, that's going to be a morning game, um, or early afternoon, I should say. I think the Celtics are going to drop that just based on the fact that even though it's a home game, they're just not so great in, in earlier games, in games starting earlier in the day. So I'm going well, to. Not. Yeah, no, I don't know what it is either. It's just, it's, I mean, like COVID testing is making up most of it but at this point in time theoretically uh covet testing should not have been uh for example behind the loss to the hornets most of the team is supposedly vaccinated now so theoretically or maybe not i don't know maybe well i bet they're they're
1: getting tested tested, but at the very least both teams are doing the early testing
0: yeah fair enough um so that aside we'll we'll just presume that, that that Miami has enough to, to get across the finish line for one of these games. I do not think that they are going to win the second game. It is the last home game of the season. I feel like that's going to matter, particularly with increased crowd capacity. There's a very good chance that Celtics could take both of these games, but I'm going to make it a split and give them the late start game.
1: Alrighty then. Put you down for one and one. Yeah, the Heat, I don't, I don't know. I think that this regular season, there was so much talk about Asterix last season, and I think that that's BS. And I think any talk of an asterisk this coming postseason is BS, but I'm willing to put an asterisk on the regular season and not just the crazy offensive records and the lack of defense and all that jazz, but say the Celtics lose both of these games badly. I don't know that that's predictive. Should the Celtics meet the heat in the play in tournament in the first round, second round, what have you. So a split is very political view you to say the least. Alrighty, uh And as you may mention, that's the last time we'll see the Celtics play a home game in the regular season in Boston, because then they'll go to Cleveland on the 12th. This is technically the second night of a back-to-back. And by technically, I mean it is. And Dr. Quinn, tell us about that game.
0: There won't be any Kimball Walker, most likely, unless they, they change their policy on him resting. It wouldn't surprise me if they do, but this is not the game I would expect it for, namely because they've lost three in a row. They've only won two of their last 10 games, and they're probably their their best all-around player um, on both ends of the floor. Larry Nance broke his thumb and is shut down for the season. Uh, Also, um, Kyle Windler uh, had some kind of knee surgery, if I remember correctly, and is also going to be out for the season. He's not so important, obviously, as Larry Nance. But, I mean, with, with that much lacking depth on the wing, I just don't see how they're going to pull out a win. So,
1: I'm going to make this number one for them. 30 seconds or less. Does what Kevin Love did the other day matter?
0: Uh, to be perfectly frank, uh, it's not going to help them. And so <laughs> I mean, considering anything they were going to win in the first place, uh, I don't think that you know veteran temper tantrums are going to do anything to help them win the game. So, no. I, I
2: just think it's extremely funny. You know, I, I think Kev, I empathize with Kevin Love a lot. Uh, you know, it's, this year has been so long. Let's just get out of here. Like,
1: what are we even doing? <laughs> yeah, he... He was getting tossed around down low. I, it was not a cool move. I don't want to see that from uh, my favorite team's all-star level players. But, man, are we desperate for storylines sometimes in NBA media because who the hell cares? It's the like Cleveland Cavaliers and it's Kevin Love. Dr. Quinn, can I put you down for a win? Absolutely. Well, I'm already afraid I've lost count cup because, of course, I would have done that. Uh, let's see. So, from there, the Celtics will travel to Minnesota on the 15th and they will play the Timberwolves who are sad and they don't play good basketball and somehow they keep beating the Utah Jazz. So I very much so think that the Celtics should beat the 1844 Minnesota Timberwolves. The Celtics will have much more to play for and probably the fix will be in because Minnesota ought to be tanking. So I'm sure Carl Anthony Towns will have a bruised butt or something like that. But Never say never. I'm going to mark it as a win right now, but I will say the last time the Celtics played Minnesota, that was the 53-point Tatum overtime thriller back on April 9th. So it might be a game that's worth tuning into. I don't know that the Timberwolves are going to have much to play for, like I said, but hey, maybe lightning will strike twice. So I'm counting that as a win for the Boston Celtics, but perhaps something you should put on your calendar for fun, but probably not. And then finally, Alex, you have the last crack at the last game, which is on the 16th. It's a back-to-back in New York. This could have huge implications because, again, the New York Knicks refuse to quit and sit a game and a half ahead of the Celtics at the time of this podcast in the standings. So the Celtics will be in New York to close out the regular season against the Knicks in a game that could have huge implications. Alex, what do you think? Alex, you were on mute, and then I was on mute to tell you you are on mute. (laughs) Thank you.
2: Um, Absolutely, Cam, I agree. I think this is going to be maybe the best game of this stretch just from a competition standpoint. Both of these teams are going to be playing for something. They're deadlocked in the standings, basically. Uh, It seems like they can't get any significant breathing room. And the Knicks have just been rolling. So last night, um, Chris Paul took over late, to shut down what would have been a 10-game win streak for the New York Knicks. They have just been playing excellent basketball. In particular, uh, Tom Thibodeau has been really working to instill a serious defensive culture for the Knicks, and it's really paid off. Their defense is excellent. And Julius Randle is the best isolation player in basketball this year, which is crazy, but it's true. I mean, their offense looks a little ragged at times, but ultimately they know what they're trying to do basically every possession, which is get Randall the ball at the elbow or in the high post, let him go to work and make a play. And then uh, they have enough shooting out on the floor to, to punish off it to other teams. Um, Alec Burks is gonna be a questionable uh, player for this game. He is in COVID health and safety protocol, unclear exactly when he's coming back. I would think that he will be back for this one, wouldn't be shocked if he's uh, out, but, you know, he's, he's been in there for a bit. So I, I think he'll be back for this one. Mitchell Robinson, their center, uh, elite shot blocker is out for the season. But all that being said, the Knicks have gotten a more than capable replacement in the surprisingly frisky Nerlands Noel to start at center for them. Um, and they seem to be doing all right. Uh, you know, they've won nine out of their last 10 games, as mentioned before, and they've done this against one of the harder schedules uh, remaining in the league. So it's, it's not going to be easy for the Celtics to beat this New York mixed team. They are real and they are tough. Um, this is a back-to-back for New York as well. So there is kind of a sliver of, I, I suppose, that, that levels the playing field a little bit. Right now, they're fourth in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they have won, yeah, nine of their last ten. They're not 34-2, and two, as it says in the rundown. <laughs> that would be something. Um, that being said, uh, I think this is going to be a really tough game for both teams. Coming off of back-to-backs, they really want to win. This is just going to be a kind of old-school talent battle. And the last time that the Celtics played the Knicks, it was a really close game as well. It really went down to the wire. Yeah. No Kemba Walker. Ah, this is tough. You know, I just, I, I I, have a feeling that when the chips are down, when it potentially could be uh, the difference between making the six seed and having to play the Bucks, or making the five seed and having to play, uh, you know, the Knicks or the Hawks or somebody else, I just, I don't see Jason Tatum going out quietly. So I am going to, knock on wood here and give the Celtics a narrow
1: victory over the Knicks to close out their season. All right. Congratulations to the Celtics. So uh, I will say this. I was in New York this past weekend and there were a lot of Knicks fans out and about. I actually was in a cab driving past Madison square garden as the Knicks were letting out a winning crowd. And it's just exciting stuff. So, Perhaps both teams will rest all their players or perhaps this will be an early playoff game. And I bet things will be kind of nutty. For those of you keeping score at home, we just said that the Celtics are going to go eight and two down the stretch. And that will mean that they will end the season having won 55% of their regular season games and a season where they lost more players to COVID than any other team. A season with tremendous ups and downs with all sorts of issues not so bad just for perspective in 1617, the Celtics won 64% of their games and the next season 67% in the next season 59% in the season uh last year that was obviously cut short they had won 66% of their games so perhaps it's regression perhaps the Celtics were waylaid with COVID and also lost just a buttload of really close games on tiki tack stuff so Uh, Hand-wring all you want, but we have the Celtics going going and winning 80% of their games down the stretch. How about that? Dr. Quinn, what are you working on these days? Well,
0: I just want to point out, this actually turned out very interesting to me because I did not think it was going to work the same way as a recent piece I did on exactly this topic on Celtics Wire, uh, covering also the Oklahoma City game, and I ended up with exactly the same record. Different wins, different losses, but we came to the same conclusion. I'm very curious to see just how right we were.
1: And for whatever it's worth, not to be a total wet noodle, the Celtics could be locked into the four seed in like five games and then just sit their dudes and the regular season will fizzle its way out. Alex, what are you working on? Tell us about your band. Oh,
2: yeah. Um, Well, as COVID restrictions are starting to lift uh, and as members of this band uh, approach full vaccination. We are now, I believe, basically there. Um, some cool things are happening on the Divine Sweater Front. We are playing our first live show in like more than a year. Um, while I would love for you find people to be able to attend because of COVID restrictions, that is not allowed unless you are a student at Fitchburg State University. Um, But if you're not a student at Fitchburg State University, there will be a live stream on the Fitchburg State Radio, and that will be broadcasting on YouTube. So make sure to check that out. Uh, We'll throw it in the Celtics Lab Twitter feed just so that you can make sure to grab a listen. It is currently scheduled for this Thursday, but there might be a rain check arrangement, which would then reschedule it for next week if weather continues the way it appears to be going. Uh, we'll keep you posted, but look out for that in the coming days.
1: Yeah, Alex, I'm looking at my phone, and uh, I, would, I would take the over on that rain delay. Uh, if you like the music at the top of the podcast, Alex plays bass on that very funky tune for Divine Sweater. He sometimes writes words for Off the Glass, as do I. I. also write for Celtics Hub. and Of course, you can find us at the Celtics Lab podcast, which apparently now is run and owned by Paul Pierce which is great. So, uh, Pierce, thanks for letting us do our stuff. You do you. And we will catch you all next week.